Are you ready to leave your nine to five? What does it take to start a side hustle? How are people making a living from the internet? Act Natural with John and Courtney is here with real stories and honest answers about what it takes to balance work life and family time. This lifestyle podcast explores the entrepreneurial culture in a practical way. Let's shatter that perfect vision of people on Instagram and break down the myths of what you really need to finally start. Tune in to hear these two millennials balance their six businesses, nonprofit, small town politics, and a new baby who refuses to sleep through the night. This is Act Natural with John and Courtney. We are back with the Act Natural podcast. Today we are talking about self-worth, knowing what to charge in the creative field, knowing how to price all the different items in your business, and it all stemming from giving yourself the appropriate value of time, how much that costs. So that's what we're talking about on today's podcast with John and Courtney. Over the past 10 years of being inside of the creative field, shooting weddings, shooting seniors, doing family shoots, graphic design jobs, film projects, insert all those great creative types of jobs. I have been asked multiple times and struggled with myself, how do I know how much to charge? Right. It's always that question because it's all centered around what am I worth? What is the market worth? Am I worth $100? Can I charge $3,000 for a wedding? How do people do that? And... Finally, it, it got easy for me because I started to use a basic calculator and really based upon asking a lot of different artists, lots of different questions, and finally deciding that I was worth X amount an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at every single moment that I spent on a project, thinking about a project, preparing for it, driving to it, editing that project. And then it, was, it became really, really simple because it's just a formula on how much that cost. But I think before we get into like some basic numbers of, you know, I'm worth 20 bucks an hour, 30, 40, 50 dollars an hour, it really stems from being able to not associate your personal value with the value that you can give to customers and charge for it. What do you mean by that? What I mean is saying that, you know, sometimes you might only be able to charge, you know, 50 dollars an hour for Mm -hmm. a creative service. Well, that doesn't mean that my life is only worth $50 an hour. Oh, yeah. And like knowing that you're on this journey to be able to provide more value, you're constantly learning and getting more experience and maybe you move to like a higher end market. So you're in, so we're in Martin, Tennessee. Um, we're in West Tennessee specifically. I guess you could say we're in West Tennessee. So there's only a certain amount that you can charge inside of this um, district or area, zone, whatever you want to say. Yeah. If I were to move to Chicago, like the base graphic design job, what is that worth? Oh, yeah. What's I mean, the base wedding worth there? Triple what we're charging here. Yeah. And so even though like the talent that we have is comparable to like Chicago designers, doesn't mean that I can charge Chicago prices in this area. Oh, yeah, for sure. But because my self-worth is not tied into that price tag of how much I can charge, I'm not less valuable because I live in Martin, Tennessee versus Chicago. Well, do you think people will think that the worth, the, the work is less valuable? Absolutely. Like, it's a status to say that you're from New York. Uh-huh. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. If you even say like New York designer, Tennessee designer, who are you going to go with? I'm going to go New York. Well, can you even afford it? 
right? So it's like, I guess I'll settle. Right? It's that kind of association of value between number one, the location that I'm in. Oh, I'm not worth that much because I live in this area. Oh, I'm not worth that much because my market cannot pay me that. Oh, I'm not worth that much because I'm, I'm not experienced enough to charge that much. And when you are trying to give value specifically inside of the creative field to your own self, it's sometimes very, it's a very daunting task because you're saying to the world, I am worth this much. But if your self imagery and like your value is tied up into how much you can charge and then you're saying, yeah, graphic design, I can do that for 50 bucks design. And then someone says, oh, no, I had my cousin do that for 30. It kind of hurts your ego a little bit, don't you think? I mean, it might hurt a little bit because, you know, I lost the sale to someone else. But I know, you know, I went to school. I, I, I'm not even a graphic designer. But, like, people who are in this situation, you know, I went to school for that. I invested my time in that. I have spent years crafting and, and making my craft stronger and more um, varied. And then for someone to say, oh, I just went with my cousin because, you know. Or you download like a, a free one offline. Like a lot of people do that too. So like in the design world, it, it's difficult because we're talking about a custom package, you know, a custom like relationship that comes with saying, I'm going to take all these different elements that, that have meaning to your uh, company, that, that have meaning to crafting your store. I'm going to put all of that inside of a cohesive design that communicates your mission. You know, that's what we're working with. And for someone to reduce it down to, I paid $5 to download a template offline. Like we're talking about different people here, mm -hmm. you know, and there's always going to be that online marketplace that's going to give people cheap design that's not customizable. That, it's the Walmart. Yeah, it's the Walmart. the internet. There you go. And I don't know, I've always been interested in, you know, your story, your journey, because you've had a, a formal education inside of English. You've been uh, classically trained, if you will, in the art of the essay. And then taking your ability to to craft stories and to communicate with people because in the at the end of the day, design is communication and writing is communication and film and photography is really communicating a message to people. You know, you paid for all your college, you paid for all your experience. Well, then how much is an hour of your time worth, Courtney, to sit down with a client and say, "Yeah, I'm going to help craft this for you." How do you give value to that? That's a good question. Um, it's easier for me to know my worth with photography than it is to know my worth when it comes to writing because I feel like photography is more understood. And people don't understand the work that goes into a three-minute promo for a company, you know? I mean, it's enormous. I, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm working on a project right now. It's taken me hours and this project is literally only supposed to be a minute long. A minute long. And how much of that minute is going to be actual usable audio? Right. You know, and I am taking hours. And that's not because, um, that, that's not because I, I'm walking around and not doing anything. I mean, it's because you're, or you're it, waiting for inspiration to hit. It requires that yeah. work. And, exactly. Um, People, do, that people misunderstand the amount of work that goes behind the scenes for some of these production jobs. But if you were to say, you know, photography, like wedding photography is such a defined um, craft. 
for everybody. Though. I mean, the wedding industry is like booming right now. Yeah. And then prices are so high. Yeah. And some of them are justified. But some of these people that just pick up a camera and like, yeah, I want a thousand bucks a wedding. Well, people will honestly understand it's been this way for years that photography is either the first or second thing that you book. Second to venue most of the time. Yeah. Well, I believe that it should be second to venue, but I'm just saying some people like, okay, I got engaged. Oh, find a photographer. You know, like it is that important and people understand it is like a, a very um, hard commodity to find like your photographer at the price that you want, you know? Right. Um, and so I think it's more understandable for people whenever I say, you know, I'm worth this much for this many hours. Well, like designers, like that's a big deal if you want to relate to people who are inside of the graphic design world because it is a myth, it's not understood the amount of hours that go into it. I am constantly frustrated when we start talking about, well, I'm, I'm frustrated with the whole talk of, oh, you can do this in 30 minutes. The, like not understanding the time that goes into production. I feel like we're very well priced inside of our area for production jobs. We're book solid most of the time with, we're constantly busy. We're constantly doing projects. So I feel mm -hmm. like we're given enough value for the money that we're getting. Mm -hmm. Probably could charge more and lower the amount of jobs and, and still do as well. Well, that's a conversation to have. But, yeah, maybe it is. We're so overworked, maybe higher the prices and, and do more like that. Um, but it, you know, so for instance, going from like pulling it down from a film, um, I started to say, okay, if total film costs 40 hours of work, you're talking about at least five hours inside of the pre like writing, um, like phase of collecting information, talking to the client, writing out bullet points, trying to get an outline then to like writing a draft going back to the client, writing the draft again, having an approved script, having the, having the audio gone over th several times inside of the recording phase, and then now we're going to get to film. Mm -hmm. So then there's a shot list, and then there's going on film location. And then you pull all of that. You put, you, you know, we've spent over $60,000. I just added it up today. I have a little equipment list on FernwayFox.com. That's our media design company. And I just posted every single thing. I, I, every th single thing, every battery card and then all the numbers of where we ordered everything so mm -hmm. if you're interested in like our setup this podcast setup or anything like that it's all on the friendway fox website so you're going to spend 60 grand you're going to go put all that time in all the experience you're going to go log it and then you're going to edit it mm -hmm. for about 40 hours so if i'm wanting to do a film project like this and we're talking about um you know a, whatever this film is like a two to three minute film and i got 40 hours invested well how much time am i worth and then that just slowly becomes, okay, what's my overhead? Am I paying anybody else? Do I have uh, rent to pay? Am I, what, what's going on? So then you start saying, I want, I need this much to live and it costs this much to do. And then that number rises from 10 bucks an hour to 20 to 30 to 40. And then at the end of the day, you got to think about taxes. You got to think about all the filing fees. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you might have a thousand dollar job or say it's five grand, but how much of that do you really get to keep? at the end of the day. That's a good point. Yeah. And so, and then how many jobs do I need to, to actually survive in this area? You know, mm -hmm. can I do this full time? And we are, we're full-time creators. We, we have all these different projects that we have going on and that is our life. And so when you start trying to give value to like your company or your job, or you're trying to start up this new thing, 
um, you know, thinking about time in a very, uh, like a monetary way. Like it costs this much to really produce that. And I'm thinking about overhead taxes, all these other things. Now, how much do I need to live? And then how many jobs do I expect to get at the end of the month? And then that divided by the hour is how much you should charge. So those are the parameters that people should create for themselves. Yeah, and I hope that's not vague because every time that I ask anyone about how do I charge, how do I charge, it was always this bull crap. It was always like, well, $100. And there's no explanation. Like a graphic design job should, should be 100 bucks. Like, I don't know what ours is, two, 250 or something. Like Tanya, did, Tanya books everything for us. Like we have a calculator that we run all of our numbers by based upon the cost analysis of what we need to run and that's is what it we a do special calculator it's a special calculator the it way says you said it was like we've got this calculator from radio shack and this <laughs> is a one of a kind oh, it's calculator. a secret don't tell me where it's from and uh it'll 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 give you the numbers that you're looking for now see tanya designed her own calculator oh. it has all these different functions to it and we can sell it to you for a low price of 9.99 i gotta get one of those calculators but it's a. Uh, I don't know. It's given me a lot of like ease when you think about growing in the future and what that is. And I've always wondered what you thought about it. Cause you, I mean, I believe that writing is storytelling is the, um, the fundamental creative of, of everything that's inside of everything the design is world. Story. You know, uh, you look at a, a painting, what's the story there? You know, it, every, everything has story behind it. Do you it. think people, think like that though i mean when they look at um i mean i know that you're creative i know that you are amazing in that field but i mean do you identify as i am a creative person no why well, I, I, I thought i i mean i know that i but don't i got into photography not as an art you know like i'm gonna be an artist i'm gonna be a photographer i got into it for business purposes now right on man growing like up it was always, I always thought that I was creative. And then whenever uh, I was put to the test with um, creative writing and different things like that, you know, in school, it was like, well, dang. Um, I guess I could do this if this were an academic paper. I could do a creative essay. I can do a creative poetry or different projects like that. But it was always a challenge. Now, my bedroom growing up, I had a canvas. Um, all four walls were different. They were painted purple and a lighter purple. And then I decided to take newspaper and cover the entire wall with newspaper. And then I had different canvases that I painted and different things I'd modge-podged. And those were on the other two walls. And oh then goodness. my fourth wall, uh, every time a friend came to visit my house, they got a Sharpie. And they would, I said, it can be um, lyrics or it can be a picture. But I don't just want a bunch of, like, words up there. And so everyone would draw images and stuff like that on my wall. I mean, And wow. I like to think, you take that little high schooler. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a creative person, you I know? So. That's not a boring person. Now, I find it incredibly tacky being <laughs> grown up now. Yeah. Looking back at high school, Courtney, and thinking, you just look itchy, you know? <laughs> Like all your scarves and you're just, you're just a mess. Like you just need to get it, it together. It was like a homeless chic. I was, I was homeless style. boho chic. <laughs> but 
like looking back, I'm, there's an appreciation there. I, none of my binders were bare. I was, I was like, nah, it's boring. I'm going to go ahead and get my acrylic paint and paint uh, an airplane with gremlins on top. It's way more exciting. Heck yeah. You know, and my kind of stuff was more doodling, but it was always something. There was always something going on. There's always music playing. There's always, you know, something being written down or referenced. And I think that comes from a core of creativity. I don't think that um, comes from a place of being a boring black and white person. I might have been one of those boring black and white people growing up. I think that you were. You think I think so? that's why now you're like, freedom. I'm I a grown so. up. I'm an adult. Excuse me, adult. And I can do whatever I want. Yeah. You know? I spent most of my life working mm-hmm. and I wanted to be creative. I just, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I was stifled. I don't want to make it sound like that. It, I think I was encouraged. It was just access, right? I mean, I didn't know. Of course, then you would say, if you had a pen, then you had access. And yeah, that's true. I mean, we lived out on a, um, we had some land and it was in Lexington, Tennessee. And I was always going out and just running around and had a good imagination. Yeah, but a lot of it comes from imagination. I mean, you can create. It doesn't mean that you have to uh, build something with your hands. Yeah, I totally you know? agree with that. I think that. you can build things in your mind and still be a creative person. I was too much in my head all the time. I was like a weird, I, I, I might have been a weird kid. I think looking at those pictures, you look kind of weird. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, definitely. You think I was like the, I was not the kid hiding in the corner though, you know, trying to have an, all these imaginary friends. I was not in the corner either. I was in the middle of the crowd and people were like, shh, be quiet. You're annoying. And I was like, <laughs> I'm so cool. Didn't you wear like a trench coat too? I'm obnoxious. Trench coats are awesome. Yeah. Uh, I always wanted a trench coat. Um, the reason for wanting a trench coat was not to be creepy. The reason I wanted a trench coat was because <laughs> I had an affinity for the nostalgia, like the vintage, like twenties and up until the. You uh, still 60s. do. You're still so obsessed with Murder She Wrote. What what era was that? Murder She in? Wrote. Oh God. What is that? Late eighties, mid nineties. I don't know. Murder She Wrote. You Those always are love that. Great stories. They Those are good great stories. Great mysteries. No. Uh, I just listened to a lot of Billie Holiday when I was in sixth grade. What can oh, I say? You always had a, a more sophisticated uh, music choice or style than I ever did. I was so pretentious when I was in sixth grade that here is what I did. I You want to talk about self-care, things like that? So my dad's watching football or whatever. My brother's with him screaming, yelling at the screen. My mom's like, I don't know, washing dishes or something my sister's in her room being a freak making potions <laughs> she's like i'm playing with my barbies and making lotion out of lotion i don't know what she was Golly. doing no one talked to her she was weird and i was like uh oh, it's my self-care time but i didn't call it self-care i called it spa and so i would go get the cucumbers from the um kitchen or i would get tea bags because oprah said that tea bag was uh, anti-inflammatory i didn't even know what that meant but i was not going to have inflamed eyes and so i would go to my mom's room because she didn't have all the clutter that was in my room and i turned on my uh only jazz that i had was um my charlie brown cd okay but it wasn't the original charlie brown christmas I accidentally bought the 65 edition, oh. 65th edition. So it wasn't the original soundtrack. It's like a messed up soundtrack with like people doing covers. It was very, I, I said it was still good, but it wasn't 
It wasn't what I wanted. But anyway, I turned that on. Didn't matter what time of year it was. I do a face mask, like for acne. And <laughs> I would have my little nails going. And then I would lay down on my mom's bed. And I would put the tea bags on my eyes. And I would just lay there. And I would just... Oh, goodness. For like 30 minutes. Like breakfast at Tiffany's style. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And I did that. I did that monthly. I did that all the time. I remember. I honestly took care of myself more in sixth grade than I take care of myself now. Go you. Well, I guess you need to get more into that. Because you're a mom now and there's so much demanded of you and life is all over the place. But I remember growing up um, going on the road because my family were missionaries. And so we were on deputation. And sometimes we would get the opportunity to stay at people's houses, which was always weird. You know, you're taking a shower in someone else's shower. That's weird. Yeah. You're sleeping in someone else's bed. That's strange, even though it's spare bedroom stuff. But these one people, I don't know where they lived, very wealthy, extremely rich. They put us down in their basement. Basement doesn't sound like very luxurious, but pool table, like jacuzzi. Basement. I mean, they had like a theater in there and they had this one jazz album and I would put it on and we stayed there for three days. I put it on and I would play pool and just act like I own the place. Oh, cool kid. John. No, no, no big attitude. Just like, yeah, I'm just casually listening to jazz music while I'm shooting some billiards. You know, I'm so cool. I'm so cool. Yeah, that was terrible. That was dorky. that makes sense. Maybe those two kids would have would have hung out together. I that think was so. Definitely my style. No, it was. It I was. don't know why. I just I was like, I just want to be in a different time. I just want to be in a more simple time where there is no. Honestly, I had an issue with social media even then. In I was sixth like, grade, you had an issue I with social media. I had an issue media. with social media. I had an issue. I was like, why are people ranking each other on a top eight? I was like, why am I getting in oh, fights? Oh, MySpace? Yeah. It's like, why yeah. am I getting in fights with people? Because I'm not in their top eight. Like, hmm. why is it? Like, why? What's about social worth? Social currency? Yeah. It's so, it, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. I promise you that we used those markers in your top eight as currency as as trading chips with my friends so Absolutely. it would say i would say like hey i'll come bring you uh i'll come bring you a coffee or whatever again sixth grade this is when this all started i'll come bring you a white chocolate mocha if you move me up to number six you're joking i'm not kidding See, I was not like on that. My hey space. okay hey zach this is my brother zach i'll give you the rest of my fries if you bump me to four wow because i was on like five or whatever for a long time and then, like, I was serious about it. I was like, well, my brother is my brother. I mean, he's he's very, he's, family's more important than friends. So <laughs> I guess I should have my family higher than my friends. We it did was this. Like, this was ridiculous. Well, people are doing it before social. It's just now it's all public. You know, that, that whole feeling of, of ranking and self-worth and, you know, need for validation and, and trading between being the most popular people in school or in the friend group or whoever had the most attention or well-liked. That was all before social. I mean, this is a very human thing to be able to rank one another and group one another and subgroups and members only groups and all that. It's just, you know, social just put it on a whole other level. And mm -hmm. then it, it's greatly influenced how like we view ourselves and our own self-worth, obviously. I mean, I know it's so like so many articles have been written about it, but we still don't understand like what the result of, you know, I have 3,000 Facebook friends or I only got 12 likes on that picture. Maybe there's something wrong with me, you know? And this goes, this goes into a deep level of, you know, if you're a creative and your whole, you know, 
business is based upon how much you can charge. Right. You can absolutely charge more money if you have a higher social media standing. That that is true. And you know, That's tying hard this fact. in to a more personal place, I've struggled with like posting on my own pages less. Me too. Because I'm like, well, I'm not gonna get a reaction from it. I'm not gonna get no one's gonna care. I'm not gonna get X amount of likes. Like if I like only a threshold. get yeah, like if I if I'm not gonna get over fifty or eighty likes on a personal thing, then why even post it? And that's cutting into my own creativity. Oh. You can be creative with yeah. your with your status. Sometimes just writing a little something or you know posting a picture. Yeah, like my little pictures on my. Um, as soon as I really got into photography, images I took on my phone went way down. And the reason is not because I was taking more pictures with a camera. It was, okay, well, this isn't as good as a professional image with my camera, so I guess I shouldn't even take it or I shouldn't even post That's it. That's sad. It, it is a little bit sad. And, and so I started sharing less and less and less. Mm. And um, that's okay. Not everything has to, be, has to be public. Sure. But it cut it down into my little creative-ometer, creometer, the uh, creative barometer. It, sure. Do you think that it hindered you? Like, do, is it, did it stifle your creativity? Did it hinder your growth? Well, what was I creating for? Was I creating for a reaction from people and to get a response and to get the attention and to get the likes and the feedback? Or was I creating for myself just to write as in a journal, but then decided to make it public? You know, this is a hard thing because a lot of times you should, to a degree, filter what you put out because that could hinder business. But at the same time, if you're so filtered that you're not posting and being consistent, just yeah. getting content out, then that's hurting your business. Yeah. And then really more importantly than just all this business talk, it's hindering a creative journey of you doing that. And I think a lot of people are creative. I think, uh, you know, the way that we are educated kills all creativity. Yeah. And that is a really great point. Um, we have been learned We've been learned. We've been learned. Oh, my goodness. We've been taught to do things in a certain way. And it's almost like, okay, will I get will I get extra credit if I do this? Well, no, but, oh, well, then I'm not going to do it. Well, like, I'm not going to experiment with uh, drawing, you know? Like, a lot of the time people, uh, teachers will do an art project as extra credit. It's like, well, if I already have 100 in the class, then I don't need it. It's like, yeah, but you don't know what you're going to learn about yourself. Yeah doing this project and that's a great thing about teaching and it being a formative way of learning you're learning while you're doing it it's not summative which is whenever you have learned something and then I give you a test and it tests you based on what you learned it is an actual tangible learning in the moment by doing well it's experimentation yeah yeah I mean that's why I love that's what creativity is so such a powerful thing in problem solving it's because, you know, having a healthy relationship with saying, I'm going to experiment all these different solutions into finding a problem. Or I'm just going to experiment to experiment. And having that an attitude of saying, how can I look at this situation inside of a new angle, a new perspective, a, a new way, and saying, what can I do to solve those problems? People, creative people, and a lot of us, a lot of us are, even though we're not making like our living at it, are people who are not afraid to try new things mm -hmm. who are looking at problems in, in creative ways and do not like judge themselves based upon those type of uh, they're not motivated always by just extracurricular credit 
you know, yeah. maybe I'm not going to get like 10 likes, but who cares? Like I, I like the way that the sun looks right now. I think that this angle looks interesting. Mm-hmm. I really, you know, or this picture at, at a restaurant, like this is a part of a story where I had a moment that I want to remember. I'm going to share that not because it's for you. It's for everybody. It's, it's really just, I want to share the moment that I have. I think that stories have done a great job of letting people explore that um, and giving people a license to say, you know, I know that this isn't up to the standard of the work that I'm selling, but I just wanted to go ahead and also give this. Story is king. You can have you can have a film project. If you're young and you're like you're getting into film or even with us, like sometimes I'll just shoot video on my iPhone. Um, even for us, like when I make a personal commercial for us or some type of content, I'll shoot it on my cell phone, um, on my iPhone. I'll just get it out there because if the story is good, everything else kind of pulls it in together. Mm-hmm. If you have really crappy story, really bad audio. doesn't matter how beautiful your little aesthetic shots are. There's going to be a disconnect because people want that. And I think like inside of like sharing your journey and growing and, and knowing what your self-worth is, I think providing like constant content and and having like fun in a creative way is knowing what your story is and becoming a master storyteller and inside the creative field that that is the experience that's needed not necessarily a bunch of like pretty angles and shots and and design that's needed too for aesthetic obviously where people are like drawn to that but becoming a master storyteller is the most important, like developing that skill. And that's why I've been always like really attracted to like your degree and what you have done and you as a content writer and like your view on this whole self-worth thing. What am I worth an hour? Because I view you inside of this creative atmosphere that we have with Fernway Fox um, and all the different products we have as the lead of storytelling, the Mm -hmm. lead communicator, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I got the film down. I, I can do this thing and we have design down. Yeah. But you know, a lot of times, a lot of the time I like, we have to be there for that preliminary meeting with each other. Like, what is my vision? What do I see? And then you tell me if that's possible to make that happen with the tools that we have. It's like know? this project we're working on now. It's, um, with the, well, I'm, I'm not going to say too much about it. about it. I don't know whatever oh my god did we just become those people uh, i don't know there's a secret project they don't know when they're gonna actually, release it um i'd rather not like say that. i did sign I hate updated, that. and they've entrusted me <sighs> so if you uh tony were you in that meeting oh you that's weren't? too bad oh uh, well <laughs> we did have some maybe times. next time Oh, no, no. I hate it. Like, I'm not, we're not those people. We're just working with the client. <laughs> Basically, the, what we're working on right now with this client is a project where I want to go to location and I want to, I want to, I want to go to a couple of different locations and it might add up to about four hours of driving. Yeah. And I want to go to these places at different times of day and I want to get this footage and I want to have a very intimate, very, um, raw story and i i want this to be it's about origins yeah Yeah. and 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 family history and nostalgia and i'm excited about it i've got this like fire i'm excited yeah man but i i'm limited because i need to know i'm not the filmmaker right so i need to know what my film team can do right here's my vision you guys take it away yeah you guys go for it 
because I want you to include this, 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 and this, and this, and somehow get that shot, and then sew it together in exactly this way, and I'll just be over here, <laughs> because uh, I want, I'll be well, there. That's what a director is. I mean, I, and I do, I direct um, as well, but I don't know. I, I don't have a, um, I don't have a desire to be behind the, the camera when it comes to film. I really don't. That's okay. That's I my passion. I love watching films and I love photography, but I don't want to do the film filming aspect. Yeah. I, I mean, it's good to know that it's good to know like what you want and then what gets in the way of telling story. Yeah. So many times like that camera to me when I first started was such a foreign thing that it got in the way. It was not a tool. Mm-hmm. It got in the way of what I wanted to to tell and what I wanted to show. With and practice. Yeah, and then the more that you learn about it and more that it grows, it's like, man, I can use this and, and visually tell something that I could not even verbally uh, communicate. And that's when it gets into this like multi-layered with audio techniques and then video and then with photography, then pulling from like old photos and with graphic design and then animation and yeah. it all comes together inside of a film that has a story that means something, mm-hmm. that it calls to nostalgia, that it builds like going back to the origin of something and telling a purposeful story about a product that changes like lives and that influences every day. And that's a beautiful freaking thing. And when you say all of that, and I'm gonna write this down for my notes for the film, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to have a big splash. It doesn't have to change the world. It doesn't. It just yeah. has to change your life. Yeah. It just has to mean something to you. And you have to be open enough to let it. What I've, what I've appreciated... Ooh, I'm writing that down. What I've appreciated so much about the South and about specifically inside of West Tennessee, which is extremely heavy in, in agriculture, is there is a respect for the land that has provided for generations. And that love and respect comes out in a very natural way when they talk about their crop and, mm-hmm. and their land because it's, it's, it's fed them. It has given them like not great wealth, some people it has, but it's provided for their family. And when you, when, when you it's almost re- religious to a degree, you know, like um, even in a Native American way of, 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 a, of a respect for all things are, are living, you right. know? Yeah. And I know that it doesn't go that far inside of Tennessee and in, in, in the South in some ways, but there is a... Um, you know, I don't see any litter anywhere <laughs> along oh, no. our highways. I don't see any anything trashed. You know, I see people who who love where they live and respect where they live and and, and give honor to that every single day. Mm-hmm. And that land gives back to them and provides for their family. When you're talking about roots, um, you know, and generations of of people who have lived in the same house and stories. I can't imagine. And I can. My that's my family. And like and walking around the horseshoe bend inside of saying, you know, my great, great granddad caught his first fish here. My, my great, great grandmother, uh, was proposed to right here. Did that really happen? In my my story. Yeah. In Lexington, Tennessee, like the, all those, I grew up like this, man. Like, I mean, my, my grandparents, Jerry and Martha Sellers, and then there's like pap and I don't grand like of those grandparents, you know, it was a thing every Thanksgiving to get in the pickup truck and to drive around the land and go to the horseshoe bend and drive by the pond and go out and tell stories to preserve the memories of that finding um, arrowheads inside of the dirt. This is where this happened. This is where this moment in our family history happened 
on the land that you're standing in. That type of emotion is so much stronger than someone who has no, who does not have a land. You know, <laughs> what is that? That was that insult. A that, man ain't no kind of man unless yeah, he's got land. You know, the insult that uh, that Dwight gives Michael when they're doing their roast. You are, you have no land. Oh. You have no respect. Don't you yep. ever talk to me that way. You small man, you don't have any land. Exactly. Well, there's, I, I just. Caitlin I, knows. I, I you know the quote. Caitlin's in the studio today. I just, in those moments, now that I'm thinking back about it, there is such pride. You small man. Is it, <laughs> there is such pride in my grandparents' eyes, in my dad's eyes, and there's a misunderstanding in my cousins. <laughs> there's like, we didn't know anything. Like, what the crap? I'm just walking around. But it was just a. It's such a serious thing, like a humbling thing. Like it's hard labor, and the emotion that's tied up into that is is what good stories are made of. The only similar thing for me to what you're saying, I remember long ago. Let's go back to sixth grade. Um, that's whenever I came back to the states. So I was away until sixth grade, basically. It's a long time. I mean. There was a year in there in first grade whenever I was in America. I was in Virginia, but then I was not in America until sixth grade. So it's like, that's when my life started. That's checking in point. Um, where my grandma, human, but uh, her maiden name's Davenport, wanted to like show me the family history. And so we got all the living Davenports together and all of the original siblings because I told you my grandma had 15 siblings 15 crazy and so we have a big Davenport family reunion on the third Saturday of every June and we all get together in Crossville Tennessee and all of the original living siblings have a different color and so then you know like all of their descendants will wear that color. So you just have a bunch of colors all around you at the family reunion. And my grandma's color is green. But anyway, um, she had 15 brothers and sisters. She's like, she was like, I think the oldest um, of the girls. Anyway, we just drove around for like four hours going to different grave sites oh, and goodness. seeing different like paying our respects. That was a thing too with us. And I mean, I had done that with my grandpa. Yeah. But I had never done that with like so many family. Like that's your great uncle, so and so. And like, this is your great grandparents. These are the ones that started it all, you know? I think that was on Easter. I forget what time of the year they always did that. Memorial Day? Probably. I, I just remember it being really hot and we were just walking for very long amounts of time and then we were always being told not to run yeah oh yeah and we found have some respect i was i was told to i guess i was a very disrespectful kid oh yeah because i was told my whole you can see that definitely see that you can see that whatever i was always told have some respect have Have some some respect respect. i was always listening to my dad tell my brother that's destructive behavior so he didn't tell me that's destructive behavior because he didn't have to because i heard him tell it to my brother so many times like over 500 times that's destructive behavior that's destructive behavior anyway so this time whenever we were going to look at all these different grave sites i mean we found ourselves in the middle of the smokies like we were driving golly you drove everywhere yes my word we drove everywhere over there in um 
it's like I said, it's Middle East Tennessee. So we're, it's like you're right there day. at that separation. And we just, that's what we did that day. And wow. I was like so ready to go home. I'm yeah, like, I bet. I get car sick and we all decided to carpool so you couldn't leave. Uh. Like, oh, we got six more to go. And apparently they do that all the time. And my mom's like, yeah, we're not doing that again. Um, it was good for me, though. It was important for me. I'm yeah. talking about it today. Like, it had an impact on me, yeah. you know. Well, I agree. Like, that the type of, um, I mean, it had impact on me, like, growing up and, and then seeing the importance of time that they placed upon that. And I guess, like, so much of this, like, talk today, like, the podcast that we're doing is, is knowing, you know, how much that you're worth, um, knowing that that is going to be separated from what you can, what you can give sometimes because you have to know what the market is charging. You have to know like how much experience that you have, um, based upon how much gear that you have, how many jobs you have in the past and then saying, I am worth this much, right? For my clients, yeah. but not letting that tie into your, your personal worth. And that personal worth is built upon, I mean, that's a whole other different thing. And you got to figure that out stuff out on your own. The whole business stuff, we can help you do that. I can help you figure out a calculator, our special calculator that we got. You know, that hey, can I borrow that special calculator sometime? We'll rent that calculator out to you. We'll help you figure we'll out all those things. We'll let people line up. Line up, everyone. Stay calm. Everyone's going to get a turn here. That's special right. calculator. We're do all that. But, um, yeah, we're talking about self-worth. Um, that being separated from knowing how what to charge inside of the creative field down to the cost analysis of running for drinks and food and all that great stuff. We have a lot of different businesses that we run. All Some of them are consulting, which is difficult to, to consider how to charge on that, all the way down to like weddings, to film packages, down to serving a cup of coffee for two bucks. And so that practical knowledge and all of that is what we were talking about today in this podcast Thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to run an ad real fast at the end. This is for our coffee shop. Um, actually, sidebar, we're going to run it for Black Wedding Journal. <gasps> yes. So we're going to talk a little bit about Black Wedding Journal um, at the very end here. But thank you guys so much for listening. We really enjoy um, doing this podcast. Uh, it's a weekly podcast now. So awesome. Thank you guys so much. Until next time. Bye. Black Wedding Journal is a bride's practical guide for a stress-free wedding. When you go to blackweddingjournal.com, you will not only find free advice, you will find free templates and free printables that you can use to help you plan your wedding. We've got videos, we've got articles, we've got some great inspiration there and wonderful tips to help you have the best and most stress-free wedding possible. We can't wait for you guys to hit us up and ask us all the questions because we would love to help you in this partnership for your big day. So go ahead and head over to blackweddingjournal.com and we'll see you soon.